Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. It's episode 58 and welcome back. Thanks for tuning in and helping spread the word on the circular economy. I'm recording this on Thursday the 22nd of July 2021. This week, I did a short webinar for the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport, CILT International, looking at the three key circular strategies and their implications for supply chains. The recording's available on YouTube. I'll put a link in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. On Friday the 30th of July, I've been invited to talk about the issues of plastic waste and eco-poverty. And why a circular economy for plastics is both critical and urgent. It'll be part of an event organised by students at the Entrepreneurship for Impact Foundation. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. In today's episode, we're talking to Ellis Yodalova about Olio, the food sharing app. Olio connects neighbours with each other and with the local businesses, so surplus food can be shared, not thrown away. This could be food nearing its sell-by date in local stores, spare homegrown vegetables, bread from your baker, or the groceries in your fridge when you go away. I guess that's if we ever get back to going away. Olio can now also be used for non-food household items. Olio has an app making it super easy to let people know what you have or to request what you fancy and arrange a pickup. Ellis looks after market growth and partnerships for Olio and has kick-started, grown and managed food-sharing communities in Jersey, Guernsey and Stockholm. Ellis is a sustainability, food waste and circular economy changemaker with a contagious passion for food, environment, community empowerment and systems thinking. She loves inspiring people and businesses to make a change. She focuses on the long-term vision and has an entrepreneurial approach to solving problems. On top of that, Ellis has been helping the Prague Innovation Institute in analysing circular economy initiatives to support the City of Prague's strategy for a circular economy. We'll hear how Olio got started using lean innovation principles and a great example of a minimum viable product to test the concept. We find out how it works in practice and what motivates people and businesses to use Olio. And Ellis explains how it's evolved how it's managing to be COVID secure and shares her top tips for going circular. Let's talk to Ellis Yodalova. Ellis, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Hi, Catherine. Thank you for having me. And where are you talking to us from today? I'm calling from Jersey, um, Channel Islands. Um, nice and sunny today. Yeah, we've, we've had... Uh glorious sunshine for two or three days but now it's it's cloudy again so that didn't last long so 
I'm curious to know, first of all, how Olio got started, because it's quite a while ago now, isn't it? Can you tell us a bit about the story of, of Olio? Yes, absolutely. It's been, yeah, uh, time flies. Um, so sort of almost five, six years now. Uh, so Olio was uh, founded by two very inspiring, amazing women, Tessa Clark and Sasha Celestial One. And I've heard the story um, and it's kind of fascinating. So Tessa was moving in 2014 from her apartment in Switzerland back to the UK and um, they were packing everything and there was still some food left and she comes from a farm she grew up on the farm and um, her family was always very resourceful and she really didn't like the idea of having to bin the food they didn't manage to eat and she didn't know the neighbors and she just paused and thought i wish there was an app that i could uh, share my spare food uh, with others. Um, and that's really when the idea of Olio was born. She told her best friend Sasha about it and um, she was very excited, also coming from a resourceful American family, so really liked the values. And they um, incorporated the company in 2015. They did some basic desk research about the food waste to start with and they were really shocked by the scale of the problem they created a little WhatsApp group to just test the idea and uh, proof of concept with dozens of people in North London just to see if they would like to share food between themselves and if they like the idea. And it went really well. So the basic app was then built and got launched in the summer 2015. So yeah, it's a really kind of nice story of seeing the problem. She had that problem of not being able to share the food with anyone and um, creating a solution. So yeah, I really like that. And the core and key aim of the app really is to connect neighbors with each other and with local businesses. So surplus food and also other items, non-food items can be shared and not thrown away. Yeah, so there's a few strands to it now then, isn't there? So first of all, it's interesting that the... Um, WhatsApp group was the kind of pilot for that. So in true lean and frugal innovation style, get going without without having to build anything. So that's great. Indeed, so, yeah, very um, MVP. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, can we dig into a bit more about the? Um, so we, you said food and other things. So what kind of what kind of other things are you seeing being exchanged? So yeah, the app was created to share. Uh, to really uh, reduce food waste uh, and uh, to share food to start with. But then uh, the founders quickly realized there are other things, people binning, and there is life to them, which are non-food items. So we have more and more uh, people sharing their uh, pre-loved toys and books and anything you can think of people who donate to charity or uh, potentially put on e-cycle Facebook page. So all sorts of uh, yeah things and even plants and when people moving. Um, so yeah, there is a range of things being shared every day, really. Mm. And you talked about between neighbours and with local businesses. So could you unpack that a bit for us? Yes. So um, we only all tackles two sources of food waste, really. Uh, so it's we call it C to C customer to customer and uh, B to C 
So there are, the platform is used by users, sort of households. So anybody can download the app for free and share their unwanted uh, food or non-food items with others. Uh, we all found ourselves with cooking too much, bought too many things or going on holiday and still have few items spare. So people just take uh, a photo of the item they want to give away, put a quick description uh, where it is and when available for collection and other users receive a notification pop-up and they can see all the items listed around them in real time so they can request uh, from others via private messaging and arrange collection. And then for businesses, uh, we have a food, food waste hero program, which enables businesses to achieve really zero edible food waste. Um, so we have a fully trained teams of volunteers who collect the unsold food at specific times and bring it back to their home and uh, ensures the food is safely redistributed to others, sort of same way like I just mentioned households. So they take pictures of the items, store them, of course, properly, and others can request and collect from their doorstep. Are you able to give us any brand names of the retailers involved? or? Um, yeah, we work with a, with a, a many retailers. UK is our, of course, busiest market and where Olio was born and then Chin Islands and Sweden. So um, it's from supermarkets to coffee shops. We have lots of ad hocs, also ad hoc collections, uh, even wholesalers, monthly big collections. Uh, last year we had a super successful pilot with Tesco in the UK. So we actually collect from thousands of their stores. Presamonje was one of our first ones. Um, little cafes, um, yeah, many, many places. I work uh, in Jersey, we work with Coop and uh, even Waitrose. So yeah, and there is the one more, I can't say the name yet, but very exciting big player joining us very soon. So yeah, watch out for that one. <laughs> it sounds like it's, you know, really moved forward over the last five or six years. And um, I know you're, you started the one in, um, uh, Guernsey and Jersey, and where, where else is it operating around the world? Uh, it's, we are very excited that uh, we, we keep, of course, looking uh, where, where Olio is being used and how much. And uh, the latest uh, data is that it's been used in 59 countries. So it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, free app. I mean, around the world, I guess most people use apps these days. So free to download and uh, people can just start sharing. In a minute. Um, so UK is the busiest and then we have, as we mentioned, Channel Islands, Sweden, specifically Stockholm, Mexico and South America growing very, very fast. Singapore, New Zealand, Spain. Yeah, uh, we've shared uh, now over 21 million portions of food around the world and uh, we're excited to just uh, hit 4 million users. Wow, that's brilliant. And what what motivates people to use Olio? I'm guessing the motivations are perhaps different for, you know, we've got three groups of people, I guess, haven't we? The donators, um, the recipients or users, and then the volunteers. So what, what's driving people? 
That's a great question. I think, yeah, it can be different between all three, but there are some, uh, some similarities. So I think the number one, which is the same for all of these parties, is that really nobody wants to see the food going to waste, even businesses. I was really pleasantly surprised when I started in Jersey, they really disliked binning food. It's not like they enjoy it and staff don't like doing it, but there was just not very easy way for them to, to redistribute it then. So they want to give back to, um, to their communities and it's um, a topic very talked about. Customers demand really as well um, supermarkets to do better and they want to see the sustainable efforts uh, with the power of social media, you know, customers are really on it, I think, these days. If they see some um, food being binned, they call out the companies. And it's part of their CSR and ongoing food waste re reducing initiatives. And of course, globally or within EU, um, there are big, big targets and part of SDGs. And it's also a great thing for employee engagement. We did some research before, um, and yeah, uh, staff is really enjoying uh, doing doing good and giving uh, food to others rather than binning it. Um, User-wise, um, predominantly people want, are really conscious of the massive issue of food waste and consumption as such. Um, so they also don't like binning food. Uh, or their non-food items, lots more and more people are giving food and non-food items away uh, these days, like and other things. Um, at the same time, they like to make other people happy. It's a great feeling that somebody picks up uh, food or non-food item from you and really give it a second chance. And for the users who request items, there are many motives. Um, they like to reduce food waste and at the same time, who doesn't like little freebie, free food? It's, it's expensive. And some users, of course, use it because they actually need a little help. We have many students, single parents, and sometimes we've all been there, uh, little financial difficulties, which was very, um, you know, relevant during COVID. Many of us were furloughed or lost jobs. So we had many more users joining us. Mm. So I'm curious, do you have any stats to say how many people do both donations and um, collections or, or, you know, get to use the food? How many people would fit in both camps? Interesting. We've done some of this research. And when new users sign up, we ask the person if they're joining Oleo to predominantly give or request and it seems to be i believe i don't have that latest one but uh people like to do usually both um or say they would do both um it's, it's pretty much 50 50 depends mm. that's good so that's removing the stigma say around um you know taking just taking donations and people maybe feeling that um uh, you know, because there's a stigma around going to food banks and things like that, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, that that is one of the greatest feedbacks I've had locally, how the people. So there is people who go to charities and really need that help uh, hugely. But there is a big part of the community who is just in between, you know, being 
perfectly fine financially and needing uh, help from charity. And they love how anonymous the, the app has been and how easy it was to collect some food. And it helped many people, the amount of messages and thank yous I've had from people who just found themselves in little situation uh, yeah it was pretty emotional so it it does cover that that um, sort of a little bit forgotten part of the community mm. and is it bringing people together who wouldn't have met otherwise are you are you hearing stories of any um, yes. you know community networks kind of um, Indeed. coming together i was going to mention it now with regards to volunteers so volunteers mainly join us to also you know, it's a great movement, it's a very fun way, and uh, it's like a tool empowering people to really make a difference and belong to a great, friendly, sort of food-sharing community. And while we all always want to make it fun, um, so one of the reasons, of course, again, reducing food waste and give back during COVID, interestingly, more volunteers were joining because they just wanted to support each other even more, which was great to see. And before COVID, many people joined because, uh, yeah, they wanted to meet their neighbors and just uh, it absolutely brought the community together. I've seen it firsthand in Jersey and Guernsey. And uh, I had some fantastic stories from people who said, I just didn't, you know, retired people or um, people who just didn't know where to put their time to. And they said it just got them out of bed and some people who were even having depression they said it absolutely changed their life meeting people at the door and new friends i got so many friends now for life through through volunteers and even the businesses uh, who joined us so it's been fascinating of course since covid we kind of had to adapt and there was non-contact sharing rather than meeting at the door and passing the bags with food but yeah hopefully we'll get back to it soon yeah brilliant and it's great that you um came up with ways to circumvent the um virus transmission worries and things like that so that's that's brilliant so ellis i'm curious to know how you got involved in all this yeah well that's um i love i love to think that how it all happened it seems like it was yesterday but it's now literally been four years since I bumped to Olio. Well, I come from a family very close to food. Uh, Mum always grew food. We have a massive garden and just cooking is a big part. So I moved to UK when I was 19, uh, started studying at university and I just saw how food waste is much more around then and the food is packaged differently the way it's sold and i realized that yeah it's just so much of it going to to waste and i just didn't realize it or saw it back home and it was really bothering me i moved to jersey seven years ago and it seemed to be the same thing i used to go shopping late in the evening and so much food was reduced and i used to talk to the you know the staff like oh are you taking this home and you know, what's going to happen with this food? And they all didn't really want to talk about it, but it seemed that, yeah, it was going to be bent. And I found that absolutely shocking because maybe Jersey seems like an affluent island, and it is, but there is still, as everywhere else, people and charities uh, who would do with the food. And there are pineapples still being green, but there are dates uh, saying they, you know, 
that today it needs to be taken off the shelves and I found it really disturbing. I had an ordinary office job and I didn't really feel fulfilled, even though I studied sort of sustainability, there wasn't any opportunities in Jersey for me at the time. So I thought I will try to make a difference in this area of food waste in my free time. But uh, logistically connecting charities and supermarkets was tricky. And, you know, when you set your mind into something, they say universe is going to bring you um, some solution. And I just bumped to Olio online and I thought it was genius. And I had a call with the founders, if I can try to grow it in Jersey. And they said, well, of course, go for it. And I remember on Liberation, I just went out, thought it would be really tricky to get it going. And within a month, we had a supermarket and cafe on board. I was collecting food, giving it out, having my full-time job at the same time and getting volunteers on board, spreading the word, wearing all the hats. Uh, it was one of the most exciting times in my life, really. And from then on, um, Olio was super impressed. They were surprised. What's happening in Jersey? The data's going, going crazy. Um, and they wanted me to join their team, but they were not prepared, I was gonna appear. Uh, so there was not real opportunity at, the, at that time. So I still decided to leave my job. All I could think of was food sharing. I couldn't sit in that office anymore, knowing this was just a voluntary role for the time being. But I thought to myself, you always want to make a difference. This is so you, you're so passionate about it. Just do it, just, you know, take the leap of faith. And I did that. And at the end of the day, it all happened. Puzzle pieces came together. I got employed by Olio, and then I was offered to grow Olio in Guernsey. So I was traveling to Guernsey, then also to Stockholm in 2019. And it's been a fantastic journey. I would have, I'm so glad I did that leap of faith. Um, so I was part of the international expansion team and sort of market growth manager was my title. And then we start up always um, fast paced and changing. So I wore many hats and worked uh, with the, within the events, um, sort of food waste for events. And now I'm part of the partnerships team and I'm sure there'll be other, other parts I'll get involved in at some time. Yeah, that sounds like a, um, um, a kind of very, very busy and um, uh, I can't think of the word that's that's springing to mind, but you know, just one one thing led to another, led to another, and yeah. and uh, you, know, know you, were, you were up and running. So that's that. very rewarding. Uh, yeah, absolutely was, and still is. Yeah, I like that image of all you could think of was was food sharing. <laughs> I yeah. suppose that's a better a better image than all I could think of was food waste, which doesn't sound very a very attractive <laughs> no. thing to have on your mind. But yeah, food sharing is. Uh, is more motivational, isn't it? So, Ellis, what kind of things have you struggled with and what surprised you in, in the process of building the business? And, you, you know, that could come from either your perspective with Jersey, Guernsey and Stockholm or from the wider perspective of Olio as a whole. Interesting question. We could talk a lot. Uh, well, I could talk about lots of things here, uh, but the main one for me within uh, the, the markets or the communities have been... Um, growing or managing myself. You mentioned stigma before, um, so that was at the start definitely there. Um, but also, on another hand, 
So there are 12,000 users now in Jersey for the small island, absolutely fascinating. But sometimes there's days that we have amazing food being shared and the team says, Alice, it's quiet, it's quiet. And I was like, why nobody wants this food? I'm sure they want the food. And I did some research and talked to people who I know that got the app, I'm like, can you see the food? Uh, you don't want, can you, why don't you request it? We need it to be gone. And people start telling me that they love what we're doing, but they just feel bad because they have money and they want to leave the food for someone else who might need it. So there was this, I call it lovely Britishness that people, you know, giving you go first. <laughs> they wanted to give chance to each other to have it. And then at the end of the day, nobody was requesting not as many people as we needed. So I kept sharing, this is environmental cause. It's all about reducing food waste. We got plenty for all. We share with charities and collaborate, cooperate with everyone who might need it, but please everybody take a bit. So yeah, that was a bit of a struggle to start with, but now I think the message is clear and uh, people, a lot of people jump on when we have loads. And surprise, I think the surprise was at the very start, how, how quickly and smooth it was and how actually everybody wanted to join the, you know, the movement and all the stores were actually interested to to join us uh, rather than me having to convince them. Um, so many people volunteered, literally hundreds of people given their time and still do. And the dedication and commitment, I, I will always be surprised by that. And the positive word, we have never had a negative word um, from anyone. Just, yeah, win-win for all, including businesses, volunteers, and users so yeah that's that's a that's just a brilliant brilliant surprise yeah thank you that's that, that's that's really interesting and i think the point about people feeling bad and hesitating because they're thinking well i can afford this so am i depriving somebody who needs it more than me that's a really tricky one to solve isn't it and you know maybe there there might be things you can do with the with the app i don't know to um, allow people to hesitate but but you know if nobody mm -hmm. takes this a bit like kind of rever reverse bidding on ebay or whatever but you know i'll have this if nobody else wants it because i don't want to see it go to waste but i'm happy to be in the queue um so yeah, yeah but it's it's, We've a, it's a really tricky things. one isn't it you kind of need second sight don't you before you press the button to say i'll have this yeah, I think people people do ask or give it a go then when, when it's clear that there's more than one thing. So we tend to then, now there is a way to say, hey, we have 150 cucumbers and people go, oh, actually, I guess I should help them uh, with, uh, take, by taking a few. So it, 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 it's going better. And maybe it was just um, where I am based. I don't know. I don't think I've heard anything like this uh, in the UK, but yeah, maybe the small community here and maybe more affluent people live here as well. Uh, they were just uh, being nice and, you know, caring about others, I guess. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And thinking about other businesses wanting to go circular or start something circular, what top tips would you share, Ellis? There is many we've learned. There's always, and being a startup, one way you do is constantly adapt and learn as you go and uh, have to be resilient. I think we all learned it through COVID. 
Uh, but technology is extremely powerful because, of course, before uh, Oleo, uh, there were opportunities for supermarkets or other places to share with charities, and they did, but it just wasn't as seamless or quick. So the technology made it super efficient. Um, everybody can see it quickly and uh, it, it spreads the word about what we do and social media as well, extremely quick. But the main one is really that I think the bottom-up approach and grassroots movements that empower communities to really be the change they want to see in the world, they do really work. We all wish, and you know, within circular economy, it's all about you know, governments and retailers uh, leading the way and uh, everything changes from the start and the whole system should change for the fastest change. And it is true, but if it's not happening yet, why not just stand up, bring a solution and uh, work with the, with the community? Um, so starting small, moving quickly and being a bit disruptive, uh, but dreaming big, we have a massive vision um, and uh, that's kind of vital and then it's inevitable then if it's going well and it's all about impact and doing good that others will just will lay sooner than later join including the government we've seen it here so once Olia was big and um, doing so great government wanted to talk to me and can we do more and we should think about this so yeah sometimes it's both ways work very well yeah, I like that. Uh, dream big, but start small and, and move fast. So great tips. Thank you. Thank you, Ellis. And thinking about, you know, what, what's at, at the heart of, of who you are. So your values, whether those are personal values or Olio's values, which one would you choose to talk about? And why do you think it helps us move towards a better world? Oh, there's loads. I love values. <laughs> I'm all about values. But I think being purpose-driven and collaborative um, is is the key one. And it's for me as well as Olio as a company, because Olio is an impact and profit with purpose business throughout and the whole core as well as the whole team. They're all very purpose and mission driven and very committed versus in it really for the financial gain. And I think that's really important because, you know, capitalism and linear economy have created a lot of problems for us. Climate change, biodiversity loss, pollution, we can talk about inequality. And we really need to think about uh, rethinking the way really our economy and systems operate and um, be ready to change our lifestyles and yeah it's it's more about it. it all must be more about the purpose and the future than just the the you know the bottom line and i like the einstein's quote that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results i think we all seen especially after last year we do need to create um completely different system and our economy so the future is better for everyone and our planet mm, exactly and that reminds me of uh, my favorite podcast um, outrage and optimism um, from the global optimism team that got together after the um, paris climate summit so christiana figueres tom rivet karnak paul dickinson so they were interviewing uh, bertrand picard 
who was the first person to fly around the world in a solar-powered aircraft a couple of years ago. And he's now working to help um, fund and communicate um, climate change solutions. And he was talking about different forms of growth. So saying that our kind of, um, uh, you know, consumption-driven growth is obviously bad for the planet. Uh And people are advocating degrowth as an alternative, Uh but that's bad for social um, progress and equality and, you know, uh, doesn't isn't helpful for for people. And so he came up with this term for qualitative growth. Um, So Uh thinking about, you know, the kind of things that we want to have more of and the kind of things that we want to have less of. And I thought that was a really interesting concept that, you know, isn't one or the other because there is a lot to talk about degrowth. And I pe- think people get switched off by that anyway, because it automatically sounds like we're all going to have lower standards of living and who's going to vote yeah. for that. But, yeah, trying to think about um, what problems we can solve and how we can solve them in a way that helps people and planet, I think, is, you know, is, is what we should all focus on. Absolutely, yeah. And Alice, who would you recommend as a future guest for the programme? I thought long and hard about that. And uh, I had, of course, the the big names and the famous names in mind. But then I thought uh, about my favourite topic and food. And there is one person, she is actually a Jersey girl, and she was on podcast before, and I think she's extremely inspiring and fascinating. So I thought I will uh, suggest her. She's called India Hamilton. And she used to be a chef and she's food system designer uh, of local regenerative models. And um, she co-founded uh, with Casper local social enterprise, uh, enterprise called Scoop, which is in Jersey. And it's a consumer-led sort of cooperative, but they're doing incredible things within supply of food. And they have a vibrant farm shop selling organic produce, an innovative production kitchen, completely waste-free. Circularity is inbuilt in everything they do in terms of packaging and waste. And um, they do great educational programs. And yeah, she's extremely knowledgeable and yeah, super inspiring. So maybe, yeah. That was India Hamilton, is that right? Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, Well, I'll um, hook up with you afterwards and um, ask you to introduce me because she sounds fascinating. And it would be great to have somebody on talking about regenerative food systems and how to move away from... did that in three other places and she's connected with the Chef's Manifesto. Oh, yeah, she is absolutely fascinating. Great. Thank you. And uh, Ellis, how can people find out more about you and Olio and get in touch? Well, very easy. So we have a website, which is www.olioex.com, O-L-I-O-E-X.com. I mean, it will definitely pop up on Google search. We are on so all social media. So again, tap it in Facebook or olio.app on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch specifically with me, I'm on LinkedIn under my name. So it would be great to uh, chat to anybody interested in anything we do. Thank you. And I'll put all those links in the show notes at circuleconomypodcast.com, as usual, for anyone who wants to um, uh, look up the spelling of, of your name and, uh, and <laughs> can't remember how to spell Olio, O-L-I-O. So 
Great. Thank you very much, Ellis. That was really um, fascinating to hear about the, the back story of Olio. must be one of the earliest sharing apps, and uh, it's just gone from strength to strength. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Catherine. Pleasure to be here. It's so good to talk to people who love what they do. And it's great to see how Olio has progressed from the WhatsApp group back in 2015 and see how it's evolved to include new product categories, business donations, and of course the impressive expansion into 59 different countries around the world. It was fascinating to hear about Olio's frugal innovation, beginning with that minimum viable product of the WhatsApp group to test whether there really was a need, find out what kind of things people would donate, and to understand whether they'd go to each other's houses to collect stuff. Ellis shared some excellent top tips to focus on innovating from the bottom up so people can be the change, then to constantly learn and adapt. And I love the mental images that popped up when Ellis said all she could think about was food sharing. That's it for this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you use circular, sustainable approaches to make a better world for people, planet and your business. Get in touch via the website or connect with me on LinkedIn. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one or buy the new edition of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business, which takes you through the concepts and practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. Make sure you get the edition with the orange cover, which has a new chapter on packaging, lots of extra examples and updated research in every chapter. You can find resources and links mentioned in today's episode as well as a transcript of the conversation at rethinkglobal.info, where you can find out how we help you succeed with Circular. <music>